Hello, everyone. Welcome to this Norton Rose Fulbright Regulation Tomorrow podcast. My name is Simon Lovegrove, Global Director of Financial Services Knowledge. And in this podcast, we're going to explore two important new papers implementing one of the Edinburgh reforms, which is to conduct a review of the UK Senior Managers and Certification Regime. The SMCR, as it's known, is now applicable to almost all UK financial services firms and was a cornerstone of the post-crisis reforms to the UK regulatory architecture, aiming to improve individual conduct and culture of banks to begin with, and then other financial services firms soon afterwards. The SMCR is now a major plank of the regulatory framework in the UK, but its implementation has not been uncontroversial. The extent of personal liability of senior managers introduced by this regime was a step change for the UK framework, and these reforms will be of interest to individuals and firms in the UK regulated sector. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Hannah Meakin and Matthew Gregory, both partners in our London Financial Services team, who will share their thoughts. So turning to you, Matthew, first, the HM Treasury paper, which is a call for evidence on the legislative aspects of the SMCR. Can you first of all give us an overview? Yeah, of course. Thanks, Simon, and hello, everybody. Yeah, so essentially this paper is a call for evidence from HM Treasury to gather views from the industry on the operation of the current SMCR in practice. And it's clear that Treasury have heard the concerns raised from various parts of the industry around some of the pain points in the operation of the current regime in practice. For example, many listeners will have experience of the process of approval around SMFs from the regulators, which, particularly in quite recent times, can be quite an elongated process with timelines running on and creating a number of operational issues for firms. Treasury's picked up on that point, and it's clear that they're alive to a number of practical issues which firms face in the operation of the SMCR in practice. So, look, in overview, there are are really four key areas that Treasury are interested in. The first is to understand from market participants whether the regime is actually delivering against its original aims. You mentioned the origins of the regime, Simon, being the global financial crisis and the reforms undertaken by the UK and other jurisdictions to combat perceived structural weaknesses in the banking framework. One of those related to individual conduct and the role of individuals in contributing to some of those structural issues. And as many listeners will remember, there was at the time of the crisis a sense in some quarters that senior banking executives had escaped liability for their potential role in the failures of some institutions. The SMCR sought to improve accountability of those individuals. And in fact, in its earliest incarnation of the framework, it was actually anticipated that the assumption of responsibility for failures would be placed on individuals, requiring them to effectively disprove that that was the case. And obviously that burden of proof was reversed in keeping with the general position in English law, but it's a stark reminder of some of the proposals of the time. Treasury is now keen to understand whether or not the regime has, in practice, improved governance, behaviour and culture within firms. And it's noteworthy, of course, that things have really moved on significantly since the regime was first introduced in 2016 for banks. The regulatory framework in the UK now has other significant measures intended to achieve similar aims for some sectors, not least the forthcoming consumer duty from the FCA. It's also fair to say that the number of enforcement actions against individuals hasn't been all that significant in terms of volume, And that's led some to question whether the SMCR is the right tool to use or whether it's calibrated correctly to meet the policy objectives. Interestingly, Treasury not only consulting on whether SMCR is delivering on its core objectives, but also on whether those core objectives, that is holding individuals to account and improving governance, behaviour and culture within firms, remain right for the UK. 
So Treasury are asking whether the regime remains true to the original objectives, whether its scope or use has shifted over time. And finally, under this general head, Treasury also asking an open question of respondents on their practical experience of SMCR. And I assume they're particularly keen to hear of the ways that the regulators have applied the regime in practice. The second area of interest from Treasury is around international competitiveness. The Financial Services and Markets Bill is expected to introduce a secondary objective of competitiveness and growth for the FCA and the PRA. Um, and clearly, this particular paper uh, plays into that quite significantly. So Treasury keen to hear whether the SMCR is negatively impacting the UK's international competitiveness. There are references in the paper to work carried on by the Bank for International Settlements comparing individual accountability regimes internationally. And it's pretty clear Treasury signalling the possibility of doing things a different way if it would improve UK competitiveness. And provided one assumes that there are not significant disadvantages in doing so from the perspective of those overall policy objectives that I mentioned. The government here talks also about learning from other jurisdictions so as to find efficiencies for firms and regulators. Altogether, I think there does seem to be a real opportunity for firms to provide honest feedback on the challenges faced from a practical and operational perspective. Whether any firms will actually be willing to go further and advocate for a totally combined firm individual accountability model like for the US remains to be seen, given that that was effectively the model that predated SMCR. And then the final two areas, Simon, um, on scope and then some specific aspects of the regime and just just briefly on those on scope the bill proposes to expand the scope of smcr to central counterparties central securities depositories rie's and cra's through secondary legislation but that does leave payment institutions and e-money firms outside scope and that's it's kind of interesting that the paper doesn't tackle that head on the clients in the in the payment sector are going to be left wondering what this really means for them. But I suppose the good news is that the scope of the call for evidence from the Treasury here leaves an opportunity for those firms to contribute. It is pretty widely cast. And although there's a mention of ARs, appointed representatives, the scope of the SMCR in that context is being addressed as part of those other reforms. And so appointed representatives obviously need to keep close tabs on those other reforms to the AR regime to see uh, how the SMCR will impact them. And finally, on the specific areas, I won't run through them all, but it's a continuation of a theme, really. Treasury asking for examples of issues which stakeholders have raised informally with government over time. Clearly, there have been a number of those. And then asking for evidence uh, to sit behind those. So, for example, the breadth of coverage, the different levels of scrutiny applied to firms regulated under the regime, and then the interaction of the SMNCR with other regulatory regimes. So, look, all in all, it could well be the start of a comprehensive rethinking of the regime. And it's another signal as part of the Edinburgh reforms that Treasury is very much in listening mode. This is obviously a moment of opportunity and firms will want to think carefully about effectively landing the key messages from their own perspective. And obviously that's something we've got a lot of experience of through our combined financial services and government relations practice and clearly very happy to consider all of that further. Thanks, Matt. Very interesting. Uh, in particular, the breadth of coverage of the certification regime also caught my eye when I looked at the um, call for evidence. Uh, just as my second question, when the Edinburgh reforms were announced last December, the market was very different to what it is today. How do you think the current market environment impacts these reforms? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question, Simon. I suppose there's sort of theory and practice, isn't there? I mean, it, at one level, I suppose I was surprised to see that these papers came out um, at, at this moment in time. Uh, given, as you say, all the other events that have been going on. I think that can be read as signalling that Treasury in particular are keen to push ahead with the reforms. And obviously, 
you know, HMGs kind of in go, go for growth mode. Um, you know, clearly, the more interesting part of all of that in many ways, from a practical perspective, is kind of how the regulators, quotes, operationalize, to use that word, uh, the regime in practice. And, and then I suppose that leads on to the discussion paper. I think, look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest that this is any form of deregulation. Um, clearly, this is more about growth and about operational efficiencies and, and reducing the pain points that there are. But having said all of that, there are those references which I picked up in the paper, you know, towards other regimes and possibly doing things differently. So, yeah, quite surprising, and I think just a you know strong signal around um, you know Treasury's expectations, both of, of the regulators and also firms in connection with that competitiveness agenda. Thanks, Matt. Let's indeed move on now to the discussion paper. So the PRA and the FCA have issued a joint discussion paper alongside the HM Treasury call for evidence, and together they make the first full review of the SMCR. Hannah, great to have you with us today. Could you just give us the headlines from the discussion paper? Yes, absolutely. Um, hi, everyone. Um, as you mentioned, Simon, the purpose of the discussion paper is to seek views on the effectiveness, scope and proportionality of the regime. And it's really the first full review that the FCA and the PRA will have done of, of this regime. Um, so they have done um, other more limited scope reviews previously, but this will be looking at, at the whole regime fairly holistically. So they're, they're keen to um, identify areas where improvements could be made. Um, consistent with promoting their primary statutory objectives. And they're also going to look at this through the lenses of operational efficiency, proportionate regulation, trust and reputation, um, and as has uh, been mentioned, effective competition, as well as in the context of the new secondary objective of competitiveness and growth um, that should be coming through in the Financial Services and Markets Bill. So I think the um, feedback that the regulators have received over the last few years has been predominantly positive about the regime, um, but there have been questions on certain aspects, and the regulators summarised those as being um, challenges in completing the regulatory references and criteria for making conduct notifications, growth in new expectations on senior managers in respect of new and emerging risks, and I think we, we kind of see that as and when new initiatives uh, come along, frequency of submitting SMCR-related information, and then, of course, the delays in the uh, senior manager function approvals that uh, Matt referenced. So the, the PRA and the FCA are looking for um, responses on the extent to which the current regime is effective in meeting its objectives, and uh, which components, I guess, in particular are contributing to that. So, for example, um, whether that's the approvals or the fit and proper regime or the use of enforcement powers, um, alongside questions they have as to scope and proportionality of the regime. Um, because don't forget, this regime has been phased in over many years in relation to different um, sectors of the, of the financial services um, firms that they both regulate. Um, and, and as Matt alluded to earlier, could be extended even further. Um, there are then also a series of questions on uh, kind of component parts of the regime, um, which are really looking to identify potential specific enhancements. So those cover things like criminal records checks, the 12 week rule, uh, statements of responsibility, certification, the directory, regulatory references and conduct rules. So they do seem to be looking at the kind of the full spectrum of, of how the regime works. Um, and just finally, um, and 
uh, has already come up a little bit, is that the, the PRA and the FCA, you know, they do recognise the concerns that have been raised over the delays in the approval process. Um, and although they have both already taken action to address those delays and those actions are clearly going to continue during the course of the, um, the review process, they, they have said that they remain open to suggestions as to what further changes and improvements they could make to achieve efficiencies, um, both in terms of processes and rules, um, and especially in relation to approvals, um, but while ensuring that the process remains robust and fit for purpose. So, um, like the Treasury, I think they are very much in um, listening mode in terms of really wanting to see um, how firms feel that the regime has been working in practice and how it could work better in the future. Thanks, Hannah. That's very helpful. My thanks to both of you for your comments today. Uh, the deadline for responding to both the HM Treasury call for evidence and the PRA FCA discussion paper is 1st of June this year. We will, of course, be tracking further developments on our Regulation Tomorrow blog. Previous podcasts on the Edinburgh reforms can be found on our Regulation Tomorrow podcast page located on the Norton Rose Fulbright website. Many thanks for joining us today. Goodbye. <laughs>